When I think about serving in ministry, there's often an older song that comes back to my mind. It says, heaven's perfect melody, the king of love is sent for me. I don't know whether you remember that song at all. It's quite dreamy, really. But when I think about the king of love is sent for me, he sent for me, he, he sent for you. And he, and he said, I don't know what your name is. Uh, my name's Mark, shout your name out. Is it, you know, by name, in a few moments, we're gonna read Matthew chapter 10, but by name, God has sent for you. Susan, Nicola, Oladami, and any other African name that I can't pronounce. <laughs> Norma, Edith, Beryl, Stephen, Peter, the king of love, is sent for you. And, and I think that's an amazing thing. It, it kind of it gets into my mind and think, you know, you know, people talk about I'm going in ministry or I have my ministry. And, and what we need to realize, the king of love is sent for us to work alongside him and with him, that it's not particularly our ministry, that it's a partnership with him. In fact, that's how Paul to the Corinthians described it. He said, we are his co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. You are fellow laborers with him. What an amazing privilege, don't you think, that we get to work alongside the king who made the universe, that he said, you can, you can work with me. I'm just blown away by that, just that thought, really, that, that we are carried towards the king of love, and he says, come and work with me. Now, I want to speak to every single person in the room. This message is relevant for every single person, because I want to speak something into your life, and, and would you allow me to do it? And it's this, you have a ministry, Every single person, God is raising up something in you so that you can serve him and be with him. And some of you will be saying something like, well, I know that. That's obvious. And some of you will be saying, really, me? And some of you will be saying, well, I used to, but I'm not anymore. But I want to say to you, uh, some of you will say, I want to, but they are not letting me. And some of you will be saying, if only they could see, and I would. And some of you are saying lots of things, but can I just clear everything out, what you're saying in your mind, and say, you have a ministry. You have a ministry from God. And he wants to develop it in you. And ministry, you know, it changes over time. That which you were is not that which you will be. Now, there might be some themes, and there might be some strong streams, and there might be some things that you build on, and, and that's all appropriate, but you know, can I just say to you that there are times when you'll be doing one thing, and then God will be developing uh, you to be doing other things, and that which you've done isn't always what you will be. So don't get frozen and stuck in, I am this. You know what that is? It's a statue not a person. Now, of course, there needs to be some determination about things. I can see a theme in my life where I have, uh, I've taught every age of Sunday school. We've uh, been a youth leader. Can you believe I've been a youth leader? I mean, you know, Andrew said no. What is that? <laughs> you know, 
I was trendy at one time, you know, I was a youth leader. But, you know, I've had a theme of teaching throughout my whole ministry, but nevertheless, we've run a pregnancy crisis center, we've run a food bank, and I'll tell you about that in a moment, but, you know, we've done all sorts of different things, but things change over time. One of the goals of discipleship is to be like Jesus. Are you there with me in Matthew chapter 10? Because this is how the disciples suddenly learn that they can be more like Jesus. Matthew chapter 10 reads like this. And Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are their names of the 12 apostles. First there was Simon who was called Peter and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. And his uh, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. And everybody went, boo. Son of, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And everybody really went, boo. I didn't really mean that, by the way. These are the 12 that Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go amongst the Gentiles or any, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Say this with me. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Don't, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey, no extra shirt or sandals or staff. Uh, the worker is worth his keep. Sounds like lack of planning to me. And those planners amongst you are going to say, hang on a second, I'm sure he's got that wrong. And some more times when you go into ministry, Jesus is going to ask you to do things that isn't quite what you're, the way you're wired. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Let's just leave it there, although there's lots more to say. The great invitation to you is for you to be in ministry. And it's very dignified to be in ministry because Jesus says that your ministry is to be received. And those who don't receive it, then don't worry about that because you are called into having a ministry. 
One of the goals of discipleship is to be like Jesus. It's probably the biggest goal. I want to be like him, don't you? In fact, I want my whole life. My greatest ambition is to follow him the way that he wants me to follow him and to be like him, to feel like him, to look at things like him, to think like him and to act like him. And if you're going to be like Jesus, you cannot get away from this idea that part of being like Jesus is is like being a servant or having a consistent serving place. In fact, if you wanted a definition of ministry, ministry is having a consistent serving place where you bring the kingdom and do others good and connect with God. Having a consistent serving place, it's more than a title, it's more than a position, and can I say it's more than a routine? and a habit that you might have just inherited as a good person. Jesus was a servant. He said to his followers, didn't he? The son of man, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Service can be quite difficult. In fact, for Jesus, it cost him his life. But if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to even understand the inner nature of Jesus, look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. It says the very inner core of being like Jesus is this, that he made himself nothing, taking on himself the very nature of a servant. You cannot be like Jesus which is the great goal of fruitfulness and discipleship, unless you say there is something that God has me to do and I want to serve at him, with him. If you want to be like Jesus, finding a consistent routine of ministry is not an option. Can I speak this into your life? You have a ministry. Some people have told you that you haven't. You might have uh, blocked yourself from it. And whatever's happened, and however the messiness of that is, you have a ministry. And ministry changes over time, and God gives different assignments. Because here's the second thing about a foundation to ministry. The first thing is, uh, if you're going to be like Jesus, you've got to serve at something. But the second thing to understand about ministry is that alongside this idea of serving, it also involves being appointed, being asked to do a task. Some people might say being called to it. It's not something that we, we kind of just assign ourselves to. It's something that God assigns us to us to do. Uh, we, we take the message, we are like God's emissary into a situation. And so uh, the interesting or the really important idea about ministry is, is you have to do what God is asking you to do. Not what he asked you to do back here in 1933 when you were a teenager But what is he asking you to do now in 2023? Now you're still a teenager. 
In, in the book of Acts, there's an unusual uh, thing in chapter 6 where there were some widows who were complaining that they would be missed out with the distribution of food. In the New Testament, they gave food every day. And it, it reads like this. So the 12 gathered the disciples together and said this, it would not be right for us to neglect uh, the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose uh, seven from amongst you who you know to be full of the spirit and wisdom and we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. In other words, the, the apostles were saying, we're going to stay in our lane. We have been assigned and appointed to the public proclamation of the word. Now, I just want to point something out to you about this. Many people see this waiting on tables phrase as just menial work. But if you notice what part of it, part of the uh, deacons who did that were one was named Stephen. And a bit later in the chapter, it says Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and did many miracles. And actually, what was happening was, is, and this is, makes it even stronger statement, what was happening was, as they gave the food out, they were sharing the word and leading lots of people to Christ. Now, the apostles could have said, ooh, what a great ministry. Let me do that as well. It's, it's actually growing the church. But they had the wisdom to say, we're not appointed to that. This is our lane. And actually, the, the people they appointed to that, the church grew as they shared the word, as they gave out the food. It wasn't just that they were waiting, giving out food. It's like Pastor Eddie or our food hub team. That people don't just come to the door and they say, right, bag of food, off you go. That's all we're giving you. We give more than food at KT. We give hope. We give the word. We give the gospel. We don't push it down people's throats. Excuse the pun. But as, we, as they were ministering on tables, they were sharing the word. But here's my point. You have to be appointed to a ministry. There has to be a sense of calling and a sense of God asking you to do that. There has to be a sense in which God appoints you and ordains you to that. Now, here's where I'm going to get myself in trouble. As a pastor, I have people coming to me all the time that say, Pastor, it's nothing to do with you. God's told me to do this. Actually, if God's told you to do it, there's a really helpful lady, Tanya Harris, came into our evening service. She said, if you want to hear the voice of God, the first thing is, what's God saying to you? What's other people saying to you? And what's the fruit of what you think God is saying to you? There's a great way of kind of hearing what God is saying. As I said earlier, Kathy and I, we ran the largest food bank in Birmingham. Let me tell you how it came about. We were walking through Birmingham one time. And there's an area in Birmingham called Chamberlain Square. It's got a fountain there. There's a poor old chap there. He was so hungry that as, he, as, as we, walk, we were walking past him, he dived into the fountain where there were coins. Where, you know, people throw coins in for good luck and all that stuff. And he just wanted enough money to buy some food. And we just felt so moved by the spirit. We jumped in the fountain after him, fished him out. We gave him money and fed him. Now at this time, 
in, in California, you might remember that the Bethel Church declared a, a square mile of healing around their church, particularly around the issue of cancer. And as we fish that man out, as clear as anything, God placed on my heart that we should declare a square mile of nobody being hungry around our church. And actually, as we began the food bank, it became the largest food bank in Birmingham and fed thousands and thousands of people. We see, that was appointed. It was ordained. It was something that God laid on our hearts. Now, we didn't just do it ourselves. We checked it out with people. We talked it through with people. But ministry, to be ministry, is an appointed thing. Not self-appointed, but appointed through God and then the confirmation of others. In the Bible, Peter puts it like this. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. You see, it's an appointment from God. Lots of people are great at serving but have you had the assignment that God wants you to have? So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power. Amen, Peter says. Jesus wants you to minister because he's appointed you to bear fruit. You are and have a ministry and Jesus wants to bring fruit out of your life through that ministry. It might be a private ministry. It might be a public ministry. It might be a behind-the-scenes ministry. It might be an upfront ministry. It might be a serving ministry. It might be a speaking ministry. It might be a helping ministry. It might be a prophetic ministry. It might be a prayer ministry. It could be a dance ministry. It could be a music ministry. It could be just you being you ministry because you're so lovely ministry. But whatever you are, you have a ministry. And, and can I speak that into your heart so that you don't leave this place thinking they don't need me or God doesn't need me. You see, Jesus said in John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, I chose you. I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. So I want to just balance this kind of sense of ministry. The first foundation is that it's serving. And that you cannot be like Jesus unless you serve. But the second foundation is it has to be appointed from Jesus, and part of that will be confirmed through others. So you don't call yourself, you actually make yourself available. Can I say that again? You don't call yourself, you make yourself available. God chooses everyone and anyone. Now, let me say this to you, just because God chooses everyone doesn't mean that it's cheap or that it's not special or unique. Let me let you watch the screen just for a moment, shall we? And uh, let's just see 
uh, how the early disciples were called. Jesus calls you to a ministry. Just because he calls everyone doesn't mean that yours is not special. Think about my own life. You know, the doctors wanted to put me on Ritalin when I was a young boy. My mother wouldn't allow it. My, my severe dyspraxia as a teenager, breaking things, knocking things over. I wouldn't be the one you would choose. We dug a baptistry in an old Methodist church who was the guy who knocked a glass bottle in it and smashed it all over so we couldn't use it the first day it was all swept out. I'm that guy. I had a pastor tell me one time, you'll never be a pastor, Mark, because you can't drive a car. One of us said, you know, you know how, how are you ever going to be a minister with your eyesight? And I'm thinking... I don't see having a driving license as a qualification in the Bible. Do you? Some of you are sitting there now going, oh, I didn't know you couldn't drive a car. I didn't know you couldn't drive a car. If you ever see me driving a car, it's either a miracle or that I've backslid and broken the law. But God has a ministry for you. And the foundations of ministry are this sense of don't call yourself. Allow God to put something on your heart. Let that be tested. Let that be worked through with leaders. And, and God will bring out your ministry. Here are some things that when God gives you ministry, some things that will become apparent and, and consistent about it. There are so many things to say about ministry. I'm not going to say everything today. But the first thing is that when God gives you ministry, he gives you the authority to do it. Some of you are not doing something because you think, oh, well, I could never do that. But actually with the commission becomes the permission and the authority to do it. And the, the great thing about authority in the scriptures is, you know, you say, well, how do I get it? Authority's given. You don't have to work it up or shout it down. Actually, all the authority in the scriptures is always delegated. When people saw Jesus teach, they said, I'm amazed. He, he's got authority, not like the teachers. It's a, you know, this, he's got some sort of authority from God. And, and actually, when Joshua uh, wanted uh, to lead Israel, Moses, they said, Moses, give him your authority. Authority is delegated. It's not taken. It's not assumed. It's a delegated all the time in the Scripture. You know how you get authority? In fact, this is how it works in the kingdom. Some people uh, would want to teach you kind of self-help leadership to say you grow in your authority by this, that, and the other, by doing that. And it's great to develop leadership skills. But in the kingdom, the way to get authority is by submission. And if you'll submit totally to God and, and be completely submissive to him, you know, it says of Jesus that all the days of his life he cried out to his heavenly father and he was heard because of his reverent submission. That he said, not my will, but your will. It wasn't the first time he'd ever prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. That was just the crucial one that we know about. He was continually saying, I submit to you, Father, and that's how his authority grew. You will have authority when you grow your submission. We need authority, though, because to do ministry means that we're going to come up against the demonic. 
You know, when you look at London, you see London, it's not just naughty human nature. What's going on in London is sick. And it's demonic. And, and actually, in order to minister to this city, to this world, we will need the authority, the authority that, that confirms to us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. I want to say to you, if you want a ministry, sure, build your skill, have your mentorships, but first of all, Submit yourself completely to Jesus because you're going to need authority. Authority is more than just uh, some leadership tips. It only gets to you in God. The second thing about ministry that you need to look for, and actually you need to look for these things. And let me just say to you, authority is different than intimidation. Intimidation makes you full of fear and makes you feel smaller and puts you in your place. Authority speaks into your life so that you can be free. There's a difference. Do you understand that, church? The second thing to look for about a ministry is, is when you, if someone has a ministry or you want a ministry, ministry is not just helping out, but it's bringing the kingdom. When you, when you are uh, in, the, in the church and you're helping with the children's ministry, you're not just helping in the children's ministry, you're bringing the kingdom. Jesus said to his disciples, go and proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. And, and that, what, what that means is that I'm bringing God's rule and God's ideas and God's way of looking at things. That's what I'm bringing. I'm not bringing to you just a, just a kind of willing pair of hands. What I'm saying to you is we're bringing the kingdom here. We're establishing his rule here, his thinking and his ideas here and the way that he is. You see, ministry isn't about status. It's not about significance per se. It's not about uh, just, uh, just my routine of what I've been used to doing over the years or how we think things should go. Ministry is about bringing the kingdom of God into people's lives. And when we see it that way, then we'll treat it in a more holy way. In fact, Jesus uh, said in, in the book of Hebrews, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let's be thankful, worshiping God acceptably with reverence and awe. So when you look at a ministry, you think, does it bring the kingdom of God? Is there more of a sense of God's presence? Ministry also brings healing. Jesus said, heal the sick. Don't go out there and tell them how bad they are. Heal the sick. This is a test, actually, about ministry and who's got real ministry. That Does healing flow? And that's what God wants to use you in. He wants to use you to be a healer to the nations and to the people all around you. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. You see, if you want to be in ministry, you become a healer. If you want to test the ministry, step back and say, how much healing is that bringing? You see, another component of ministry, and there's too much to say, is that ministry flows from what you've received. How many of you know this? You can't give what you ain't got. 
And, and Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. And so when I ask you to be receivers, I'm not asking you for in the sense that you will be uh, selfish or that we're just into meetings so that we can just pray and it doesn't go anywhere. I want you to be a receiver so you can be blessed. Have you heard this? Blessed to be a blessing. You know, you've got to learn to receive. You see, the people who don't receive don't really give. Freely, you've given, you've received. And from that receiving, give. Ministry has always got to be relational. And when Jesus sent those 12 out, he said, whenever you go to a village, search for some worthy person and stay with them. It's got to be relational. You can't do it on your own. Stay at that house until you enter and you give it its greeting. Your peace rests with you. And whatever that means, one of the things we have to understand is all ministry is a, a relational thing where we do it together. In fact, Paul teaches the Ephesians this way. He says, from him, from him, the whole body is joined together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You can't be a lone minister. You have to be in relationship with people. You see, I'm saying to you, don't call yourself. Let God appoint you. I'm saying to you, don't, don't let it be something about status and significance. Let it be about serving. I'm saying to you that if you want to grow in your authority, submit, lay your life down. I'm saying to you, if you want a real ministry, be a healer. Let your words be words of healing. But let me say to you, all ministry brings a measure of opposition, both socially and spiritually. There will always be someone or something where, where they'll say, you can't do that. Kathy and I have been told all of our lives that you can't do that. And we've said, well, who said that? And when you realize who said it, you say, well, I'm not listening to that. I'm going to listen to the ones that have God's word. See, the great tent task of ministry is to also give yourself the permission to do what God is asking you to do, but stay in healthy relationships so that you can do what God is asking you to do. So many people have put on the rocks of isolation. John Glasser was used to preach a sermon uh, about Lachish in the Old Testament. And it says of Lachish the city that they were isolated so they were open to attack. I wonder about you. Whether you could greet somebody and their peace could rest upon you. And then you could hear Jesus say, I'm sending you out. Like sheep amongst wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes, but be as innocent as doves. Some of us really love to be shrewd like snakes. We just love being clever. But you've got to have that purity of heart that says, speak into my life. Help me. Work with me. But can I just, can I, I'm going to come into land but I want to just say to you and, and almost encourage you, just minister to you. To, today I decided not to, not to, well I never try and preach at you, but I almost wanted to lay a carpet underneath you that you could lie on and just say, you have a ministry. Who's told you that your days of ministry are over? Where's that coming from? 
Maybe it's coming from you because you want to do what you've always done and God's saying, can't you see the new season that I've got for you? Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe it's from the devil himself saying, they'll never use you. They don't like you. There's too much wrong with you. And all the while, Jesus is saying, come. You have a ministry. There are three ways in which you can make a first step into ministry. Everybody turn with me to the book of Galatians. I want you to just read a few verses, and we, this is how we'll, we'll close today. In fact, at the end of our message today, we're going to clear the first few rows of chairs, so if you guys will get ready to do that, if that's okay. And as many as people who can, I want you to come and kneel at the front and just give your life in ministry. And actually... There won't be room for everybody. I wonder if everyone at the end of our service today, what we're going to do is make an altar out of the chair that we are and we'll kneel at our chairs. If you can't kneel, I know that you'll bow your heart. My knees are getting like that too. Galatians chapter 6 says this, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whosoever sows to please their flesh, that self-orientation, from that flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I want to say to some people today, do not give up. Let me say it again. Do not give up. You do have a ministry. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Three levels, three ways of getting into ministry. Let me teach you three principles, and we'll close really quickly. First of all, number one, serve in your everyday life. You're walking around life, your everyday life, wherever you are, you serve in your job, your ongoing life, your family, you will get the opportunities that will spark your interest as you serve in your everyday life. Things will drop into your life as you flow and they will grow in you. So here's principle one, let's do good to all people principle. That is how you first get into ministry. In your life that you have now, without any platform, without any status, without any eyes on you, you serve right where you are. Amen, church? First level of ministry. Second uh, principle of ministry is, is the principle that I call um, do good to the family of believers or the uh, at the proper time principle. Let me say this to you. Secondly, serve in the body of the church. Where you, it's where you'll learn skills. It's where you'll train with people. It's where you'll work alongside people who you never thought you'd ever work alongside. You will serve with people who are different from you. And you'll serve people who really need you. There are some children who all through their week have had a horrible time in school, not because teachers are mean, or yeah, although I'm really for teachers, but some teachers are mean. 
Let's just admit it. And, and there'll be some people who uh, come full foul of the police, and some people, are, most of the police are good, but some police are mean. And there'll be some children who will have a mean experience all through their week, and yet on Sunday, they'll come and be with you, and you'll be the only person that speaks kindness and life into them. What a great ministry. And you'll turn their lives around, and you'll change them. There are hundreds and thousands of testimonies of young boys and young men and young girls and young women who say, if it wasn't for my Sunday school teacher, my life would be a mess. You see, serving in church is not just keeping the machine going. It's changing lives. There are some people who are completely lonely all of their week. And when your kindness breaks out to them, or if you joined our visitation team, our, our group leaders visit, but sometimes they don't have the capacity to visit, so we are developing a, a visitation team, and you could go and show them kindness. It changes lives. You see, the second principle is serve in church. Some of you used to serve in church, but you think you've moved past it now and God's calling you back. And some of you have got many reasons why you can't serve in church. Oh, I live too far away. Well, hey, don't you realize that we could start an outpost right where you are? It's time for us to think to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to serve everywhere that I go. And secondly, serve in the body of the church. The church is the best training ground for people to connect with a variety of people. It's my do good at the proper time principle to the family of believers. You know what? Church work seems endless, but then God gives you a breakthrough and gives you progress. It's an amazing thing. And the last thing, I'm going to develop this next, next week. I'm going to get the worship team to come back. But you build on your ongoing and longer-term kingdom ministry. God has got a kingdom purpose for you. You have to sow over time into this purpose where you sense where God is leading you. And as you sow into that, you will reap at the right time. And this is my sowing to the Spirit principle. Principle one, serve in your everyday life. Do good to the every person principle. Number two, serve in your church and be good to the family of believers principle. Principle number three, sow to the spirit principle. That you begin to sense, God, I sense you're taking me in this direction. And you feed it and you sow it and something will spark your interest. You can tell a kingdom ministry is when you're willing to train for it. When you're willing to invest in it. When it's not just everybody do something for me, but it's kind of I'm willing to break open my life for this. You won't be able to shake it. You won't be able to get it off your hand. You won't be able to get it off your heart. You won't be able to get it out of your head. God will place it. It's not a sense in which, well, they told me I can't do it, so I won't do it. It's they told me I can't do it. God, open a door for me to do it because I can't get it off my heart. Paul said it this way, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. 
It becomes a compulsion. It becomes something within you that you can't be without that person. You can't be it. One time, I was at the end of a service, at the end of Bible college. And uh, I might have told you this before. There's a one-armed preacher named David Watson, not the famous one. And he told a story about David not being allowed to build a temple. And God really spoke to me and said, Mark, I want you to lay down your ministry. And I came to the front. I kneeled and said, God, that's it. I'm just going to go back and be the best church person I can be. I'm laying it down to you. And a lady named Elmgart Connolly is a German name. She tapped me on the shoulder and said, Mark, I've just had a vision. And the Lord says this, take it back. And I see fire around you as you're preaching in a pulpit. But it's because I laid it down that God handed it me back. How about you? Is it time that you said, God, whatever you want in my life, I'm laying it down. And that actually, Lord, I've been delaying ministry. I've been putting off ministry. I've been thinking I'm too old for ministry. Or I've been thinking that I'm too unqualified for ministry. Stop now. You have a ministry. It may be an acorn, and God may want you to develop it. And it may take some years to bring out. Some of you have had ministry, and right now you're saying, but that days are over. And I'm saying, how about a new day in God? Somebody in this place needs a ministry again.